Welcome to Wonderland, the podcast where I go down the rabbit hole to research things you may be curious about. My name is Ami, and I'll be your guide on this trip to Wonderland. Welcome back to Wonderland, my friends. I am so glad you're here with me today. I've been watching The Last of Us so good. Go watch it if you aren't already. And part of the way they communicate got my mind wandering and wondering. So I thought it might be a good subject for today's trip. So if you're watching, what is one of the ways that they use to communicate in the show? This is your man, Flo Rider. Hey, what's happening? This is your home applies, man. Yo, what's poppin', man? It's your boy, Bow Weezy, man. Check it out. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. That's right. Radio. In the show, 80s music is used to convey messages. And it made me wonder about the evolution of radio and its different forms. I wonder. 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 64 degrees, cloudy skies. You're listening to Welcome to Wonderland with Ami Bland. So let's start with the basics. What is radio? Radio. A device that allows people or computers to communicate through long distances. Radio is the uh, frequency transferal of radio, like electronic waves to uh, move sound from one place to another. Mm. Audio or information broadcast over wireless frequencies. Sound waves in a box. Radio is um, a... I'm trying to think of how to put that in the words. Um, radio is a broadcast or a signal that you receive from one machine to another um, where people talk or play music. Uh, radio is a frequency of waves that can be used to transmit and receive information. Radio is the technology of communicating using electromagnetic waves of frequency. The radio waves are used to carry information across space from a transmitter to a receiver by modulating the radio signal. We commonly use different frequencies of radio waves for television, FM and AM radio broadcast, military communications, mobile phones, ham radio, and even wireless computer networks. Radio waves have a much longer wavelength than light, and those longer wavelengths are varied in order to carry this information. There are a lot of uses of radio technology, but in an effort to keep this trip short and sweet, we're going to focus primarily on radio as it's used for our listening pleasure. But before we get there, it's time for a short history lesson. Any idea who invented radio and when? Um, I do not know, but I know it was a very long time ago. Um... I want to say about 1920s, 1930s. No clue in the 1800s? Nikola Tesla, but I don't know exactly what year he invented it. 1940s. No, 1930s. Alexander Graham Bell in the 1800s? I want to say it was in the 1800s, and I 
don't remember who invented it or who discovered it. No, uh, I do know that my dad said that they could take wire and wrap it around a oatmeal. Uh, I guess it's a box and could pick up a station in Cincinnati, I believe, when he was young. That was a long time ago. I don't know who who invented it. So this really started with baby steps. First, a Danish scientist by the name of Hans Christian Orsted made and published an important discovery in 1820. He proclaimed that a magnetic field is created around a wire that has a current running through it. His claims were confirmed in 1830 when English physicist Michael Faraday discovered electromagnetic induction. Essentially, he discovered a varying magnetic field causes electricity to flow in an electric circuit. Or more scientifically, that kinetic energy could be converted into electrical energy. The next step came in 1864 from an experimental physics professor at Cambridge University, James Clerk Maxwell who published a theoretical paper that electromagnetic currents could be perceived at a distance and that these waves traveled at the speed of light. In the late 1880s, German physicist Heinrich Hertz tested Maxwell's theory and succeeded in producing electromagnetic waves. The work of all these scientists was necessary for Italian inventor Guglielmo Marconi to be able to bring us the wireless telegraph, or radio, in 1895. Marconi, who was self-admitted to be more of a tinkerer than a scientist, didn't necessarily even understand the science of what he was doing or how his invention worked. He just knew it did. His first equipment was capable of sending signals to locations around a mile away, and Marconi, just 20 years old, tried to interest the Italian government in his invention. When he didn't have any luck with the Italians, he decided to see if he could find success in London. At just 22 years old, Marconi arrived in London with his mother and his invention and quickly found backers. By 1897, he was broadcasting up to 12 miles and began applying for his first patents. By 1888, Queen Victoria was using his invention to send messages from the Isle of Wight to her son, Prince Edward, aboard the royal yacht. So even 150 years ago, moms were trying to call their sons. Marconi is widely credited as the father of radio, but that title does not come without controversy. Russian physicist Alexander Popov was broadcasting between buildings in 1895. In India, Jagdish Chandra Bose used radio waves to ring bells and trigger explosions that same year. Siberian-American electrical pioneer Nikolai Tesla claimed in 1901 that he developed a wireless telegraph in 1893, which, in 1943, the U.S. Supreme Court invalidated four of Marconi's patents, citing Tesla's previous work. But, with all that being said, Guglielmo Marconi did win the Nobel Prize in 1909, and his Marconi operator aboard the Titanic in 1912 was able to summon help from the Carpathia to pick up 700 survivors. Why do you think the radio was invented? His explanation was to uh, transfer uh, electricity through the air so that it would be free, so that you would have free electricity all over the world. Faster means of communication. Maybe it started for military purposes and then expanded into entertainment from there. Initially, the thought that there was real practical application in harnessing these radio waves for military and government use. There was specific interest in the ability to communicate with ships on the transatlantic voyage from Europe to North America. But the potential added applications were soon seen. 
By 1904, ships that subscribed to Marconi's service could also have the nightly news summaries transmitted to them. And you thought streaming subscriptions were new. What do you think the first song played on the radio was? I do not know. That is a good question. <laughs> I have no idea. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Oh, I know that it was used not for songs. The national anthem. Happy birthday. I don't know what the first song on radio was. While early on Morse code was used for telegraphs, Canadian-American inventor Reginald Fessenden was working on a way to transmit audio over waves. By 1900, he successfully transmitted speech over a distance of about a mile, which by most accounts was the first successful audio transmission using radio signals. While it was successful, it was truly too distorted to be commercially useful. But on Christmas Eve, 1906, Fessenden made a broadcast of him playing Oh Holy Night on violin and reading a passage from the Bible, which could be heard by ships at sea. What was the first radio station? When do you think their first broadcast was? WNBC. Early 1900? I feel like they did, like, war broadcasts first, and then sports. I know it was in New York. I don't know the call signs, but I don't know when it was activated. And the president? Cincinnati? W-something, Cincinnati. <laughs> a long time ago. I'm going to say a station somewhere in Virginia. And when? Um, 1850. Do not know, do not know. A long time ago, and it had to be uh, something with letters. <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> Once audio could be clearly broadcast, commercial radio would be primed to take over the way we received information. And that happened on November 2nd, 1920. Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing Company in Pittsburgh broadcasted the live returns of the Harding-Cox presidential election under the call signs KDKA. In August of 1921, KDKA broadcast its first professional baseball game. Harold Arlen announced a play-by-play of the Pirates' victory over the Phillies. By 1925, there were more than 600 radio stations in the United States. More than 20 of them broadcast President Calvin Coolidge's inauguration. On November 28, 1925, Barn Dance aired on MSWAM out of Nashville. You might know this now as the Grand Ole Opry, which is the longest-running radio broadcast in U.S. history. From there, so many different things were broadcast, including the first broadcast of a professional football game between my Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving 1934. Bears won 19-16, if you're curious. And the World Series in 1938. Mass panic happened in 1938 when the War of Worlds was broadcast, as many listeners believed it was real. In 1941, KTU and Honolulu broadcast live updates during the attack on Pearl Harbor. WERD, the first radio station owned and programmed by African Americans, debuted on October 3, 
1949. American Top 40 with Casey Kasem premiered on the 4th of July in 1970. And by 2006, WIYY-FM became the 1,000th station to begin transmitting HD radio signals. The content got more varied and clearer and persisted as a commonality across people as a way to get information worldwide. Radio, in all of its forms, became an integral part of the daily life of Americans. But what are those different forms? What is AM radio? Um, oh, goodness, I used to know this. Um, this is what I did distinguish with AM radio. It is talk radio. AM is... Uh... I know it doesn't reach as far as FM. It is amplitude modulated. Boring. AM's what, talk radio? Just a different frequency of radio. It it has uh, a different um, way that it bounces. AM transmissions um, bounce... Um, when they are directional. What does AM stand for? What's it mean? I don't know. AM radio is amplifi- amplitude mo- modulation. And that's where ampl- amplification is required to send the signal out. AM is short for amplitude modulation, which is a means of encoding the audio signal on the carrier frequency. These are often called medium wave stations or standard broadcast systems because AM was the first form to transmit the signals to the public. FM? I don't know. FM FM. is music radio. (laughs) FM radio is frequency modulation where the frequency is broader. So the higher, the lower the frequency, the farther it will travel. Frequency modulation. Frequency modulation where FM transmissions sort of go out like an umbrella. I don't know what it exactly, but I know it it uh, reaches further than AM, and it's better quality. This one is frequency modulation, and they operate between 88 and 108 megahertz. The smallest service area is within three or four miles of the transmitter, and the largest can be picked up for 60 miles. Fun fact, only non-commercial educational radio stations are licensed for the 88 to 92 reserved bands. Both commercial and non-commercial stations may operate between 92 and 108. Ham. I do not know that. What is ham? Ham radio? I don't know. You'll find out. (laughs) Bird? Bird. Oh, the meat? It's a pig. I don't know if it's an acronym. I think it's just amateur radio. I don't know what ham stands for. Ham radio is a citizen and uh, military bands uh, frequencies that people can communicate uh, over great distances. Well, that's why you talk on the CB and talk to people. Ham radio is amateur radio, and amateur radio is for anybody who can pass a 35-question test. And you get your technician license. And then after your technician license, you have to learn a certain amount of uh, um, Morse code. Then you can go up to your extra license. And your extra license will give you a lot of uh, extra features. Simply, this is amateur radio. Why is it called ham? 
In the early 20th century, the terms ham and plug were used by landline telegraphers to describe an operator who lacked abilities. They were sometimes considered negligent or incompetent, and these unskilled operators were often described as being teenage boys or drunk men. They were blamed for miscommunications that ranged from benign to causing literal train wrecks. So when amateur radio enthusiasts began broadcasting, they were called hams as a pejorative. But it stuck, and these amateurs adopted the word to describe their hobby and themselves. You may hear people say it's called ham to stand for Hyman Almy Murray, who hosted a show at Harvard. But that's just a fun story. Same for home amateur mechanic and Hertz Armstrong Marconi. Although, in Australia, they use ham as a backronym to make hobby amateur work. Anyone can have a ham radio station, and getting started can cost as little as 40 bucks to get the equipment you need. Satellite. I don't know what that is. Uh, radio from a satellite. Uh, satellite is radio without an antenna broadcast. It, it, it is the signal is sent up to a satellite, and then it's... Uh, dispersed all around the world i think (laughs) that comes from the sky from a satellite radio that is received from transmissions in space from satellites that have received transmissions from the ground satellite radio is a higher frequency radio that is uh broadcast from satellites in geosynchronous orbit around the planet First broadcasting in 1999 in Africa and the Middle East, the naming is pretty on the nose for this one. This is radio whose signals are broadcast via satellite. Where even the strongest FM stations can only reach 60 miles, satellite uses 2.3 gigahertz S-band in North America and can be enjoyed nationwide. But unlike traditional radio stations, largely popular due to being free, you have to pay to enjoy satellite radio. Pirate radio. Arr. I don't know what any of those are. Pirate radio is radio that is being broadcast without a license and is not legal. Pirate radio is just um, a unregulated source of transmissions. Uh, I think was popular in the 60s and 70s when they would have sometimes boats or ships that had transistors and antennas that could broadcast inland we've used i know the united states has used that as a way of broadcasting messages to uh, non-allied countries to warn the citizens of bombings and things like that that's illegal i don't know if it's always offshore but somebody broadcasting their own stuff it's Radio for people who want to get ideas out and uh, they're not on the regular commercial radio. Um, Pirate radio, I know back in, I want to say the 1950s or 1960s in the UK, um, there were certain songs and music that they weren't allowed to play on the radio. And groups got together and went on ships and broadcast those songs. Also known as bootleg radio when dealing with two-way radio or clandestine radio when it's associated with a heavily politically motivated operation, this is a station that does not have a valid license. Sometimes these are stations that are legal where they're being transmitted from, but illegal where they're being received, especially when national borders are in play. 
I'm going to be honest, this one was a big old rabbit hole. And in the interest of time, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of pirate radio, but maybe we'll circle back to this if you guys are interested in the future. Do you think all countries allow all forms of radio? No, I don't think all countries allow all forms of radio. Well, I don't think pirate radio is one that's allowed. Regardless, I think I think most countries probably are not interested in, uh, or don't want to have unregulated source of media. No, North Korea is not allowing that at all. No. 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 I imagine they don't. Some of the dictatorships and things like that probably restrict it. Well, no. No country allows all forms of radio. Radio is controlled by each country's government, and broadcasters must follow the rules set forth by their country. Some countries have much more freedom of speech on the radio, where others heavily control what is broadcast to control the dissemination of information to the masses. What are call letters, and how are they determined? Just as a complete random guess, I would say call letters are the letters that use to name a radio station. Um but I do not know how they're determined. I'm going to guess that it's the type of frequency that it's um, being sent on. Morse code through a computer. Is that like the W-U-D-E? I don't know how they're determined. They don't make any sense to me. I did notice when I was out west, they started with K and not W a couple weeks ago. Call letters are what gives the radio stations... Their names, not sure how they're determined. If you are east of the Mississippi, your call letters are uh, a series of three or four digit letters that signify a frequency in a specific city. And if you are east of the Mississippi, they start with W. If they are west of the Mississippi, they start with K. Call letters are for the call for for the license of a radio station and they are determined by your location and your, uh, the, the country, they have a country code, they have the region code and they have a suffix on it, which is like a ID type thing attached to the region, the country and so forth. Okay. Well, I worked for WMAZ TV, and but there was also a WMAZ uh, radio, and it stood for uh, Making Achieving Zenith. Is the call is what they started with, and just continued, but I don't know exactly what they are. <laughs> Welcome to 
As radio usage grew and exploded in popularity, it became apparent that there needed to be a way to distinguish radio telegraphs. In 1912, several countries attended a conference to discuss this predicament, and each country was assigned specific letters to identify the country's radio and television signals. The United States was assigned W, K, N, and A. N and A would indicate military stations, and K and W were assigned for commercial use. Radio stations were assigned three letters as their call signal. If they were west of the Mississippi, they'd start with a K. And if they were east, they'd start with a W. But wait! Were you listening to me earlier when I said the first commercial broadcast was from KDKA in Pittsburgh? I'm not great with geography, but that's for sure east of the Mississippi. So why does it start with a K? Well, it comes down to timing. KDKA received its assignment during a short period when stations were being issued call letters from a sequential block of K letters that were previously being assigned to ships before the Mississippi was used as a divider. Any stations that were issued with a K weren't required to change. Other eastern stations to start with a K? KDPM, KQV, and KYW. Another fun fact, at least one eastern station, KTGG in Spring Armor, Michigan, Starts with a K because someone at the FCC thought that the postal code MI was Missouri, which is west of the Mississippi, not Michigan. What is a DJ? What do they do? A DJ is a disc jockey, and they operate the the radio station when a DJ is required. They operate the soundboards, they operate the... uh, used to operate like records and uh, tapes and D, uh, CDs and so forth and so on. But now today it's all electronic, so DJs are just there for vocals. A disc jockey is a DJ, and they sit behind a board and listen to people on call on the phone to tell them that they're wrong about the weather. Uh, they are disc jockeys. They play the music and talk as well in between talk up the songs uh that's the person who is uh on the program that uh either talks well he talks or the person talks and plays music a lot of times or news or well no it's dj i think they mostly play music um, it is a disc jockey, and it's somebody who um, plays all or cues up all the music. Disc jockey. Somebody who plays music, puts music together. And who are some famous radio DJs? Um, the only one coming to mind is Ryan Seacrest, and I know he's not a DJ. <laughs> but he was. And is still with the top okay. 40. I mean, he took Casey. Would we call that a DJ or a talk host? Okay. It's a DJ. There we go. I'm going to be Casey Kasem. I do know uh, Wolfman Jack used to be a really famous radio uh, DJ. Um, I'm trying to think of others. I can't think of others. Oh, famous DJs. Um, uh, Howard Stern was a DJ at one time. Um, Moby was a DJ. Um, I don't know. I've, I've worked with so many of them that a lot of them just turned to talk show, talk radio. Yeah, Moby. I remember Moby. 
oh, uh, Wolfman Jack uh, came in and to my print shop and I did printing for him. And he was he was dressed and looked like Wolfman Jack. <laughs> a DJ is a disc jockey, which is a person who plays recorded music for an audience. The term disc jockey was coined by radio gossip commentator Walter Winchell in 1935 to describe radio presenter Martin Block's practice of introducing phonographic recordings to create a make-believe ballroom experience for listeners. This term combined the word disc, meaning the phonographic disc, and jockey, which spoke to the DJ's writing of the audio grain. While Martin Block is often seen as the first popular radio DJ, there have been oodles of radio disc jockeys who have become household names. Halloween Martin is noted as one of the first female disc jockeys. Based out of Chicago's WBBM AM, in 1929, she hosted a morning program called Musical Clock, where she played upbeat songs, gave the time and temperature, and read the weather, a format we're all familiar with today, but was uncommon then. Alan Freed, Wolfman Jack, and Casey Kasem are other notable American radio DJs. Alan Freed is sometimes called the father of rock and roll due to his promotion of the music and introducing the term rock and roll on radio in the 1950s. He also made a practice of presenting music by African-American artists rather than the cover versions by white artists on his program. Several actors and media personalities began their careers as traditional radio DJs, such as Bob Crane from Hogan's Heroes, Howard Stern, Ryan Seacrest, and Dick Clark. What was the golden age of radio? Um, is that when they had everybody listening to radio and like everybody had, um, the radios in their home because that's what they had before TVs and that's what they would listen to? Maybe in the 50s? 1940s where the president would progress, broadcast to people and people would listen to songs through the World War. I would say probably before television took off and maybe even still at the beginning when TVs were not common. I don't know. The 50s. I would say when FM radio came into fruition. This old-time radio era was a time when radio was the dominant electronic home entertainment medium. It began in the 1920s and went into the 1950s when television took the honor. As the appeal grew, a variety of programs were created for the radio. Live events such as musical concerts and play-by-play sports broadcasts were some of the earliest broadcasts. The radio became a way to get information quickly, and news became a common program. Soon, though, musical features became the most popular programs. Still, other programs such as comedy, soap operas, children's shows, radio plays, and game shows all became standard programming during the golden age of radio, and much of those early program types still have a place in radio today. Speaking of, how many radio stations still exist today? Oh, goodness. A lot. There's a lot. Millions. (laughs) No clue. Um, There are, around the world, there are tens of thousands of radio stations. Hundreds. How am I supposed to know that? You can take a guess. One million. No. What? It's like one million. One billion. Yeah. Hundreds, thousands. Millions. Millions. <laughs> However many high they go. I don't know. I think, I mean, there's radio stations, different stations everywhere you go. 
375. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Over, over a thousand. I know that. Well, if, if you're counting ham radio, there's well over, uh, well over like 3 million that I know of. In 2020, there were over 15,000 commercial radio stations in the United States and over 45,000 worldwide. So even with the advent of streaming music, podcasts, audiobooks, and on-demand entertainment, there's still a place for radio in most people's lives. Do you listen to the radio? What do you listen to? And why? Yes. Well, uh, on Thursday nights, uh, the... Radio, the repeater station for my, uh, for the radio group that I'm a part of does do what's called a, uh, a, darn it, what's it called? Um, where everybody gets on the radio and we do our call signs and, uh, talk to each other through the radio. Uh, a net, they call it a net. I do not... (laughs) Never, ever. Not anymore. <laughs> I just listen to my streaming music. I listen to podcasts and I listen to the radio in my car, but it is uh, uh, a television station. I don't really listen to radio. Well, I do. I'll listen to NPR. I listen to, I guess what mine would be satellite radio. Well, I think you stream. Oh, I do stream. I don't have satellite. So I listen to stream radio? I don't know. I don't listen to the radio radio. I don't I don't like them talking so much. I listen to satellite radio and very rarely will I listen to terrestrial radio. I think I mostly listen to podcasts, but I will listen to well, I listen to some terrestrial radio out of Atlanta because it's a radio station that I listened to when I was a kid and it's come back recently. Yes, almost exclusively. Uh, country music, and I don't know why I just grew into it. No, why not? I'm not in dad's car. You don't listen to the radio on your own? Why would I? To listen to music. Isn't that what YouTube's for? It's a common part of people's lives, whether it's tuning in to a favorite morning show during the commute to work, or setting the dial to pick up gospel music getting ready on Sundays, or blaring country tunes on the lake. The radio brings people together in so many ways. I really enjoyed this one, guys. And I went down about 5,000 rabbit holes that I didn't delve into here. I'm still working on the website, and when I get it up and running, I'll be sure to include some of the interesting things that I learned along the way that didn't make it into the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today, and until next time, be safe, be kind, and stay curious. The Welcome to Wonderland podcast is copyrighted by Amy Bland and is part of Barrett Gruber Entertainment Division. This podcast is recorded in the podcast studio at GOT Sound Studio in Lexington, South Carolina. Any thoughts or opinions expressed as part of this production are those of the host unless otherwise indicated. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please follow, like, and share this podcast. Find us on Facebook at Welcome to Wonderland the podcast and on Twitter at Wonderland underscore pod. To submit corrections, additional information, or requests for episodes, please email the host at welcome to Wonderland the pod at gmail.com.
did it. I recorded a podcast for you. Welcome to Wonderland as part of the GOT Podcast Network and a product of Barrett Gruber Entertainment and Media.